Father, we praise you and we thank you for this morning, that we have your word, that you do speak to us. And we ask this morning that you would help us to see and to understand the very nature of your relationship in the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and the nature of our relationship between one another, that we would love one another, and we would know what that means in the life of our community, for we ask this in Christ. Amen. Any of you know what this is? Weird object, isn't it? Strange. (laughs) Any of you kids know what this is? Game system. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what they call a smartphone, right? And uh, you know the intention of this, the purpose of this, when they designed it, this was to bring people together and allow them to connect when they were a distance apart and they weren't able to. A brilliant tool, a tool that that allowed us to do things we never thought imaginable. We were able to connect with one another and do business and catch up and, and find out how people are doing and pray for one another and do all kinds of wonderful things, right? And it, it, it created a world that we hadn't known before. But then something happened. The tool that was designed to bring us together and cause us to connect has begun to tear us apart. Do you know what I mean? A common scene, you walk into a restaurant, husband and wife sitting there having dinner, and this is what it looks like. <laughs> we laugh because it's true. And I, and I fear as I look at it, the very tool that was designed to bring us together is now tearing us apart. And I think in life, so many things are like that. The very things that God intends for us to bring us together end up tearing us apart. The very things that God ends to be a a tool for us to love and to share life together, like community, like the church. We're called by God. We're brought together in Christ to form a community. And this community is intended to bring life, to bring love, to bring transformation to people's life, to bring healing, to bring bonding, to bring grace. It's a community that's designed to come together to cause these people to know what it means to love and to be loved in the presence of God. However, it's often not the case. It's often not the case. Gerald's sister, in his book, Love One Another, put it this way. When the church is functioning at its best, there is simply no community on earth that can rival it. But when the church is functioning at its worst... There's no community on earth that can do as much damage. Isn't that true? And the reason why this is a community that can do tremendous amount of damage is because of one word. Sin. Sin, by its very nature, means to miss the mark by which, for which God designed it. And sin takes a beautiful community... And it turns it into a battleground of dead bodies. Sin. But however, you know, in in understanding this, God also has provided a solution. God has decided to take care of this. And And something happens because we have to look at the big picture. With community, 
and the intention of community and what God designed it for is something awesome and beautiful on the one hand, yet we have taken and destroyed it and made it something ugly and awful on the other. But this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and this is what isn't what's the ultimate goal for God. And I want us to see, I want us to step back for a moment and understand something about the nature of community, then what Jesus has done for that community, what we had, what we lost, and what we're to gain. And in order to do that, let's step back a bit. I want us to think in terms of the community in which God himself exists. Because I think until we understand the interdependence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we don't even really fully understand the intention of community. I wanted to label this section the dependence of God, but I didn't want to have that circulating in the broader world and then be brought up on charges of heresy. It's probably not a good idea because unless I explain myself, I could really be misunderstood to say the dependence of God. What are you talking about, right? There's no such thing. But you see, within the Godhead, there is absolute and complete interdependence. The Father is not God without the Son and the Spirit. The Son is not God without the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit is not God without the Father and the Son. All three are interdependent on one another, and without one, you do not have God. God is dependent because you have the three in one. Jesus, throughout the gospel, he spoke of his continuous dependence upon his Father and the Spirit. Likewise, we see the Spirit. When he comes, Jesus says, his singular focus is going to be to glorify the Son. And then we hear of the Father. The Father gives everything and all things to the Son. They're constantly giving. They're constantly glorifying the others, and it's their passion to do so. But, in their interdependence upon one another, they are not dependent upon anything. There is perfect love. There is perfect community. There is a perfect bond and sacrificial love that requires nothing else. In fact, it's so beautiful, it's so awesome, it's so glorious, it's so full of love, that you know what bursts out of this love? Creation. Gift giving. The Father just can't help himself. He wants to give gifts to the Son, to the Spirit. The Son likewise to the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit likewise to the Son and the Father. And we have cosmoses being created out of love. And all of this creation manifests the glory and the goodness and the beauty of this God. And this is why we speak of this God as being, or or sorry, as not being dependent. When we see theologically God is not dependent, we do not, what we do not mean by that is that somehow this God is some Unitarian monad in the sky like this. He says, I don't need anything. Because I am self-sufficient. Any picture of a God like that is completely contrary to the, de- the non-dependent God we speak of in the scriptures. We speak of a triune community of perfect love. This is why our God is not dependent. On the other hand, you do have gods. Gods who are monad, Unitarian monad gods. For example, Allah. And the reason why Allah is so ugly is because he doesn't sacrifice anything for anyone. Everything must be sacrificed for him. 
You must serve him or die. Worship me. Come and worship me. And if you refuse to worship me, you're dead. On the other hand, our God, what does he do? He gives, he blesses, and he serves us. He serves us so that we might be blessed. Our God dies for us that we might live. Our God rescues us and exalts us even while we hated him. And why? Because our God is love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been forever loving one another and constantly finding ways to express that love toward each other. So interdependence and community, this isn't a created thing. This is an eternal thing that existed within the Godhead himself. And interdependence is a beautiful thing. And this is why we were created with interdependence from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they were made to complete one another. Adam, without Eve, was what? Totally incomplete. It wasn't right. Things just were not right. You remember in Genesis chapter 2, there Adam is naming the animals, but there was not a helper, there was not a mate, there was not someone like him, comparable to him. Like he noticed there's male and there's female. And he's, he's naming them and he's noticing that there's, there's, there's matching pairs. And he's like, I, where's my matching pair? There's not one suitable for me. There's something missing. It's lacking here. And God put him in a deep sleep. And all of this death and resurrection and him coming from his side has all these, these gospel allusions to what comes through Jesus. And then from this, though, Eve is birthed. And the two become one flesh. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God states this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and that they shall become one flesh. It was this male and female joined together as one that reflected the image of God that we just talked about. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us, let us, very interesting, right? Let us create man in our image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the image of God. This is why we have in this union, it's only in this community, this new form community, this interdependent community that we have a better reflection of the glory of God. Then what happens when this, when this union, when they come together as one flesh and they join one another and out of love, what, what springs forth out of it is a new creation. New life comes out of it. And now we have this child that's birthed and the child forms this community. This new community now expands and grows. And it's reflective. And what's going on here is a reflection, an image, a bearing an image of what God is like. The love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And from this loving community is birthed forth life. And with every child that came into the community, the community would expand and each person would seek to give everything they had for the good of the others. They would sacrifice, they'd do whatever. Their passion, their desire would be to look around and to give, would be to serve. 
It would be to bless. It would be to help. It would, it would be, do whatever the, the desire of the heart would be for the blessing of the others. And this, by doing so, this formed this interdependent community upon one another by which it would grow up in this beautiful, glorious community of love reflecting the image of God. What a beautiful thing if you think about it. The most delightful experiences you've had in your life were when for a moment, maybe for just a nanosecond, I don't know how long it was, but you tasted the goodness and the sweetness of delightful communion and community where there was a sense where you sensed it, you knew it, you were being loved and you were loving the other person. And when that transaction was happening, something was created that you, and you're not even sure how to describe it. You just say, man, that, that's probably what heaven on earth is like. It's a beautiful thing. And then it disappears. It's almost like, God, where'd it go? A taste of what heaven is like. And what, this, is what, this is what we were created for. This is how it was at the beginning. But something happened. Something dreadful happened. Adam and Eve disobeyed their loving God and found themselves outside of his loving community. Immediately, they began to act out selfishly, pridefully, and indignantly towards one another. It, t- it takes this long. For when we rebelled against God, God says, the moment you eat of it, you'll surely die. Be separated. It created a death in the relationship to him and that loving community. And now all of a sudden, the heart's changed. What did Adam do immediately? He blames God. He blamed his wife. He blamed the serpent. He would have blamed the tree. He would have blamed everything. He blamed everything he could think of. Just not himself. Something fundamentally changed. Something's different. And you know, this is at the heart of all destruction within community. At the heart of all destruction is selfish pride. Self-will. My way. Me. And this is why we don't experience the glories and the delight of true community. The loving community that they knew at the beginning was over. The warring community was now birthed. What happened next? Cain kills Abel. More death, more murder, more destruction, more tearing apart, more isolation. And now there's wars. The world is filled with wars. We're in a dilemma. There's a problem, a big problem. This whole thing that was intended to be this community of love is now ripped apart, and now we have communities of war. War within, war without, war in your homes, war everywhere you go, division, strife, conflict, selfishness, pride. And this, in in the midst of this, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. Someone needed to come and take away the sin that brought the death. Somebody had to restore the community. Jesus came to bring us back into the triune community where we could enjoy the loving fellowship we had at the beginning. Jesus was kind of trying to bring back the body so that there would be love. Love would be at the center. Sacrificial giving would be at the center. People would lay down their lives for one another. The heart had to be changed. And this is why he had to come and deal head on. What he had to come and deal with was the sin in the human heart. The selfish pride that we have here about me, 
about my comforts, about my desires, about what I want. It's how, like, how, how fundamentally do I get what I want? And I, I may help you, I may let me serve you, but I'll only do it if it gives me what I want. This is the fundamental root of it all, it's what I want. And if what I want gets thwarted enough, we get angry, we get frustrated, we don't like it. And if someone does something bad enough to us, we, we want to get rid of them. Because that poison, I don't like them, I don't like what they do, I don't like what they do to me. So we need to be delivered. We need to be delivered from our purely selfish motives. And be loved in a way that transforms our own hearts. We need to be given, be brought back into the community so we, we can actually come to know what it means to love again. We, we need a love that defeats the evil, that conquers all, that destroys it. We need, we need someone to love in the face of the evil. We need someone who, who's going to love Cain, even though Cain is so full of evil. Who's going to do that? Jesus did it. And it's only because of Jesus that we're brought into the interdependence of the church. What Jesus has done and what he has created in the church is a new thing. A new thing that restores the garden. It's the beginning of the restoration. The beginning of the community coming back together in love. Jesus made us one. One with himself. We're in Christ now. He made us reconciled to the Father. The hostility and the enmity that was between us was taken away. And He's made us partakers of the Spirit. He's given us the Spirit. We are now a brand new community birthed from the side of Jesus. A brand new community. This community of love beginning now to reflect what was intended from the beginning. This is now also known as the kingdom of God. A kingdom where God reigns and rules. A kingdom where the God of love and sacrificial giving is at the center. And his people reflect that. Jesus took away what was separating. But you know what? You'll notice Jesus didn't take away our neediness. Jesus didn't make us. He doesn't save you so that you can be a completely dependent, independent creature of everyone. I can go off on an island, just me and Jesus, and everything's great. He didn't do that. You know what Jesus did? He saved you, and he brought you into his body. Do you realize part of the gospel is this? It's not just that Jesus forgave your sins. It's that Jesus gave you his body, the church. He brought you into this, and he brought you in to form a new community where you could know and experience and give and receive, where love could be manifested. He brings you into his body, the church. This is part of gospel gift. A gospel gift is his body, the church. A new community. A community whose hearts have been changed, whose people who are coming out of darkness into a marvelous light, a people who are beginning to understand and know what it means to sacrifice, know what it means to lay down their lives, know what it means to give up their will and their desires for the sake of others. You're beginning to know this, and there's people in this community who are more mature than others. Some are just on the journey and figuring this out and dying to their flesh and walking in the Spirit. They don't know what it means. This is new to them. And so they still have Cain-like reflections at times. And then there's the more elderly, the more mature, who, who, who know what it's like to suffer. Who know what it's like to hurt. Who know what it's like to love anyway. Who know what it's like to give and to sacrifice. And in this community, as we're in community together, this is where in this interdependence upon one another, we are built up, we grow up, we mature, 
And we, the whole goal, the whole goal and the point of it is that we become more and more loving. We would love one another more. We would serve one another more. We would give to one another more. We would bless one another more. We would encourage one another more. We'd build one another up more. We would sacrifice for one another more. That's the point. That's the progression. That we would more and more reflect the triune community. And you know, it's in our giving and our serving and our blessing of one another that makes community so amazing. Imagine yourself, you walked through this door and you came in and you were hugged, you were loved, you were appreciated, people were excited about seeing you, they built you up, they blessed you, they encouraged you. They, you know, they would transform you. You would be experiencing Jesus and his love through them and that's the intention. That's what the body's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be this most amazing community on earth. This, it's almost like a garden of Eden within the chaos of a broken and evil world. And the world's supposed to see and be attracted to the garden, to go back where there's this loving community where people serve and give and bless. You know what? This loving community and having it and partaking of it is the very thing that we will have for eternity. It's the very thing that is going to make a life eternal so awesome. Unhindered, unbroken fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and one another. Where people and the desire of your heart is to love, to give, to serve, and to bless. Ed Welch in his book, Side by Side, the beginning of it said, We were meant to walk side by side. An interdependent body of weak people. God is pleased to grow and change us through the help of people who, can be, who have been recreated in Christ and empowered by the Spirit. That is how life in the church works. Yet, according to Welch, this is what we end up doing. We spend too much time concealing our neediness. Being needy is our basic condition. There's no shame in it. It's just the way it is. Understanding this, accepting it, and practicing it will make you a better helper. This is why he goes on to say, anything that reminds us that we are dependent on God and other people is a good thing. Otherwise, we trick ourselves into thinking that we're self-sufficient. And then, arrogance is sure to follow. We need help. And God has given us his spirit and each other to provide it, end quote. Very well said. You know, there's always this big problem, though. In all of this, in all of community and the difficulties of it, there's remaining sin. Sin remains. It's still there. Cain still comes into the camp. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. It's part of that community is the fact that we're all growing in this. We're all, in the, we're all on a journey. It's not like we, boom, arrived, you know, we're delivered, and community is just amazing. Yeah. It doesn't happen that way. We suffer through our own issues. We have our own difficulties and struggles. But this isn't a bad thing. This is partly, again, why we always, we need one another. And you know, that here's one of the biggest problems we have. We do not want to come across to anybody like we have any need. 
We don't like that. We want to appear independent. We want to appear like strong. I don't have weaknesses. We want to be self-sufficient. And you know what? We might like to help others because in helping others, it makes us look strong. Let me lift up the weak. I don't mind that. But no, no, do you have have any needs? I don't have any needs. I'm good. We suffer through our own issues because we hate weakness. We want nothing to do with weakness. Weakness is mocked. Weakness is ridiculed. Weakness, weakness, you know what it'll get you? A lack of respect. That's what it'll get you. You show yourself weak? Nobody respects weakness. You've got to be strong. That gets respect. Well, those are the ways of the world. That's the thinking of the world. That's the way the world operates and functions. But it's not to be in the church. And you know what? We have to understand that we are needy people. That God has made us so that I have, I have gaps. I have holes. I have weaknesses. There's things in me that I'm, I'm not designed to be everything. As was read for us this morning in 1 Corinthians 12. He designed, you guys are one body and he designed us this way. Some of you, your foot. Some are a hand. Some are an eye. Some are a mouth. Some, some are an, an internal organ. Vital, but don't get seen that much. You know, you're all different parts, but you're one body. And should the, should the foot say to the hand, I don't need you? Don't worry, don't listen to the hand. The foot doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't understand. The body is in need. God made it, if you think of that, God made it so that we need each other. I need you, you need me. And this will not go away. And it's beautiful when it's all working together. You know, one of the, the best things that ever happens is when you find yourself in a relationship and then that relationship, there's, there's a, somewhat of a completion is made where it's like the weakness, you, you know, you're limping along and all of a sudden you can walk straight. And you find that you can do the things that you couldn't do before. You'll always find, have you not found, just live enough and you'll find that you, you have glaring weaknesses and there's people who have gr- glaring strengths and those strengths complement your weaknesses and when they come together, it's really kind of beautiful. We have to understand, though, something. Neediness is never going to leave us. And, you, uh, you know, one thing we might not like, you might say, well, hey, I don't, I don't like needy people. Needy people have got problems. And I don't like being around needy people because they got more problems than I can handle. I got my own problems. I don't like needy people. We know we say needy people, they're overly needy. And you could tell we call, they're needy. They need a lot of attention. And, you know, some people think that they have a, Fundamentally, they think that this is a psychological problem that they have. But you know what? They're needy, not because they have a psychological problem foundationally, but because they have a spiritual and emotional problem that's created a psychological problem. Needy people have a gaping hole in their heart, and you know what they need? They need love. And when needy people are loved, it transforms them. And when they're filled up with love, they're no longer needy, they're actually able to love. So when you see needy people, it's just they're just waving a flag saying, I need love. (laughs) I need to be filled up with love. I need to be convinced I'm loved. And one of the ways within the gospel of Jesus, Jesus has communicated this love. He wants it communicated is through his body, the church. This is part of the gift of the gospel, is this new community, this community of love where people are interdependent upon one another. 
But we don't always walk according to the Spirit, and we don't always respond in love toward one another. I hope you realize that you can just as easily, I can just as easily walk in the flesh and act a little bit like Cain as we can walk in the Spirit and act like Jesus. It's not that difficult. But part of the remedy for us, if we're going to become a community that grows in love, is to accept the fact that sin and weakness is not going to go away. And as, you know, as the church progresses, it's not like hopefully we get over this and we no longer have problems. Don't count on it. Count on problems. Count on sin. Count on it. Any of you who've been in the church long enough, I guarantee I'll ask you, I'll ask you to raise your hand and say, hey, if you're in the church long enough, are you going to count on problems in that community? Oh, yeah. Is it going to be difficult? Oh, yeah. But is it going to be the very thing that shapes you and changes you and molds you and makes you and what God takes and He t- gets in there in your heart and beats up all the garbage in your own heart? Yeah. If you want some soft little place where everything's going to be rosy and good in this wonderful community, it's not going to happen on this earth. You're wanting the resurrection today. And in the meantime, you've got to get involved in the community that's messy, that's ugly, that has weaknesses, that has problems. And you get involved in it knowing that it's actually there that you're going to grow up and learn how to love. Because you can talk about love all day long. You can say you're loving. You can think you're loving. All someone has to do is come up and poke you in the eye and we'll find out how loving you are. Oh, why did you react that way and punch him in the lips? Well, he poked me in the eye. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, what happened to sacrificial loving? What, what, what happened to suffering? What happened to giving yourself for the good and sake of the others? You know, we do not overcome evil with evil, do we? We overcome evil with good. And so in a community that's growing in love and overcoming evil, how does it do it? It overcomes the evil with good, with loving. And this is why we need mature people in the body who've been hit and beat up and bumped around a lot. They can say, this too shall pass. And settle in and realize, you know what these people need. They need to be loved. We need to press in, not pull out. Press in. We need to press in and love. We need to overcome evil with good. Let's press in. But what do we want to do when we're hurt? What do we want to do when we get banged up? We want to get out of the ring quick. No. Don't expect it to be rosy. Expect expect to get bumped and bruised and beat up. But the only thing that will overcome it is the love of Christ. Know his love in here. Express his love out here. And it will begin to transform people's lives. Just keep loving and keep loving. You know, one of the things that we're very tempted to do, if you're here this morning and you're not doing so well, you're needy, you need help, you're weak, is to pull away, is to isolate yourself. Admit it, right? You want to pull away. It's the exact opposite of what you need to do because what you need is you need help. And so if God is, if you're strong today, if you're doing well, you're not doing well for yourself so you can feel all good. 
you're doing well so that you can help those who aren't doing so well. If you're doing well today, you need to look around and you need to think about the people that you can encourage, the people that maybe you could hug, the people that you could bless, the people that you could build up, the people that you could, you could help in some way. That's why you're doing well. Because I'll guarantee you one day you won't be doing so well. And when you're down, that person that you helped, you built them up, you got them back on their feet, guess who's going to turn around? And love you. If we're well, we're well for the body. If we're not well, we get well in the body. It's the body that we need. And yet so often, we want to run away from it. This is the only place on earth where you know there are some people. There are some people here, folks, believe me, who will gladly love you to health. And those of you who are healthy, help the weak. And when the weak are strong, turn around and help the weak. This is how we grow in love. Don't pull away. Dive in. And love one another. Serve one another. Because as Romans 12, 6 says, In Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. Belongs. You belong to one another. And therefore he concludes this section by saying, be devoted to one another. Hear that? Be devoted to one another in love. I am devoted to this body. I am committed to this body. And I'm going to love as I have been loved. I'm going to love these people around me. And I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to serve them, and I'm going to give them, and I'm going to build them up. That needs to be our attitude. It says, honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, that's what it means to be the family of God. It means to be this community that's interdependent upon one another for love. I love you, you love me. Of Barney, right there. <laughs> I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord, for restraining my lips. This is why God made us to be an interdependent community that reflects the triune community that we would love one another as He has loved us. That's the goal, that's the objective, that's what we're trying to do is get so we grow up in love and mature in love. So may you turn around today and look around this room. If you're, you have any strength at all, you have enough strength to maybe go give someone a hug, give someone an encouragement, give someone a blessing. Do something. And if you're weak, tell somebody. Look for help. That's what we're here for. You need prayer? Ask someone. You're struggling? Let somebody know. They're your body. And it's Christ's means of grace and ministry to you. Amen. Father, we're so thankful that you've loved us when we're so, so unlovely.
you treat us as beloved children, and you, I'm so thankful that you don't get tired of us. You don't get tired of our weakness. You don't get tired of our stumblings. You don't get tired of our failings. You don't get tired of forgiving, of cleansing, of helping in every way. And I just thank you, Father, for giving us the body for one another to help and to support and to encourage one another. Make us a body that loves and reflects the triune community, Father. May we love one another and throw ourselves into this body, for we ask it in Jesus. Amen.